Reflections with Marilyn Baker. Brought to you by Torch Trust, the Christian organization with a vision for people with sight loss. And a very warm welcome to Reflections, the programme from Torch Trust focusing on faith and disability. I'm Marilyn Baker and I'm so glad you've joined me today. For the next couple of weeks, we're going to feature some inspiring ladies, past and present. And we're starting very much in the present with Sheila Armstrong's studio guest, Irma Hilton. Our CEO, Julia Hyde, was asked a few months ago to give a talk at a celebrating women's group, and it was there that she first met Irma. Julia came back to Torch full of how Irma had inspired her, so we had to find out why. So, Irma, you're a very active person. You're a volunteer in lots of ways. You're a grandma. You're all sorts of things. So, being blind hasn't stopped you from doing what you want to do. So how did your mum and dad feel, do you think, when they found out that their daughter was blind? How did they react to that? My mum had taken me to the GP because I kept falling over, covered in bruises. Family was saying, oh, something must be wrong with that child. And when she took me to her family in Holland, the same occurred. So it was by coincidence, she then took me to a GP who was a locum, who sent me straight to the hospital. And uh, from one hospital, I ended up in an eye sanatorium in London, as it was called. It was around 1956-57. And I was there for six months. And, of course, they never really knew what the outcome was going to be. Um, I think for my mum, it was hope and pray. And my dad really, all his life, struggled with my visual impairment. He struggled accepting. He saw me as clumsy if I dropped things, I did things wrong. But he could have moments where he felt really proud. But I think for my dad, life was difficult because he'd been on the D-Day landing and it was something he would never talk about. So accepting something that wasn't as he'd expected in his own child, his first child, was at times very, very difficult for him. My mum was incredible. Um, She allowed me all independence as much as was possible. But I also think maybe there wasn't the realisation in those younger years and those early teenage years of the complexity of my visual impairment. And we didn't have low visual aids. And it was constant hospital, hospital appointments, in and out of hospital as well. And they had to make decisions about medication. But I think they put the doctors on the pedestal. And it wasn't in the period of questioning everything. It was, well, if you think this is the right way forward, we'll just go and we'll do it. You tell us what to do. Now, I've already said that we're of similar ages and the normal thing for our age group was to pack a blind child off to a boarding school. But that didn't happen to you. Tell us what happened. 
Right. Um, my mum, uh, well, she was Dutch, came, came over to England after the war as an au pair. And she was very, very family orientated because she was one of 12 children herself. And there was no way that she was allowing me to leave the family nest, so to speak. She'd been offered to for me to go into a sunshine home and she said no 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 that wasn't happening and both my parents were very hard working and we lived on a council estate but behind the estate was a big convent and it was a private school for four to eleven years of age and it was a catholic school and because my mum was catholic and um, part of the Catholic community, um, she spoke with the nuns and they agreed to take me and they greatly reduced the fees as well. And so that was my early stage of education. And with they knew I had a visual problem, so I always sat right in the front of the class. And they would give me a lot of one-to-one support, and the classes were very small as well. But when it came to reading, I would bring my reading book home, and my mum would read with me so religiously that when I was asked to stand up in class, I held the book upside down. And I could read and turn the pages appropriately because I knew exactly I'd learned the book off by heart. Oh, I see. Well, you wouldn't be the first person to have done that. We hear people no. holding hymn books upside down in church because they don't really want to admit that they can't read them. So, <laughs> But they know the hymns, so it looks as though they're yeah. following. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. But it's part of what we do. And it's great because I think if you've been used to it, you can bluff your way through your disability. Yeah, now, so that worked fairly well for you, relatively well in primary school. But what happened when it came to senior school? Well, when it came to senior school, I did do my 11 plus and I got through and I was accepted at another Catholic uh, school, grammar school. And there, then things became a lot more difficult. The classes were much bigger. Uh, There were three-year groups. I was forever having to borrow books to copy from other people, even if I sat at the front of the class. It became much more apparent to me that I was struggling, but For me, I didn't know how to question and address the struggle. It was only when I got some low visual aids that helped me more with reading. But there were still certain books I was still wasn't able to read. And it wasn't I did my O levels at this school and it was a real disaster. And I then went to a careers advisor and she happened to have been a teacher at Chorleywood College. So she said, this is what I think you need. And she sent me off for an interview at Chorleywood College. And that's where I ended up for a few years, having a sort of crash course in Braille, doing O and A levels, which really set me up for the rest of my adult life. And I was, I actually realised then what I had to ask for, what I needed, and where I could get the appropriate support from. 
Now, just for any listeners who don't know, Chorley Wood School was a, a grammar school for blind girls. I'd love to be in education again now, especially with the technology and everything that is available. Yeah, well, that's for sure. I can remember typing long essays at university and not being able to read the work back to see if it was any good or not and just having to hand it in. <laughs> that wasn't that, good. <laughs> no, I can, Sheila, I can identify with that because I went to Middlesex Poly to do my social work training and I had a girlfriend who used to come and read me my stuff that I was typing out. And later on, it was my husband who was my boyfriend at the time and uh, he would then read stuff out to me. So this gentleman became a bit more than a reader then? He did, absolutely. <laughs> yes, he's uh, my husband and father of our three children and uh, grandfather to our one grandchild and one due this coming week. That is very <laughs> exciting. And we'll hear more from Irma next week as we celebrate International Women's Day. This Friday is also a special day for ladies, as the annual Women's World Day of Prayer is held in lots of churches. Every year, a different country chooses a theme for the prayers. And this year, it's Zimbabwe's turn. They've chosen the theme, Rise, Take Your Mat and Walk, which comes from a Bible account of the Lord Jesus healing the paralysed man. We'll have more to say about that in a couple of weeks when we meet Tim Wood and his roof breakers. But now, listen as the women of Zimbabwe sing in preparation for the day of prayer. Sheila Dunning with one of the Women's World Day of Prayer contributions. The Knots Prayer Dear God, please untie the knots that are in my mind, my heart and my life. Remove the have-nots, the can-nots and the do-nots that I have in my mind. Erase the will-nots, may-nots, might-nots that may find a home in my heart. Release me from the could-nots, would-nots and should-nots that obstruct my life. And most of all, dear God, I ask that you remove from my mind, my heart and my life, all of the am-nots that I have allowed to hold me back, especially the thought that I am not good enough. Amen. And the World Day of Prayer has an inspiring motto. Informed prayer, prayerful action. That's a great one for anyone to follow when they're praying, isn't it? If you'd like to attend a service on Friday and you use Braille, you can call the World Day of Prayer office on 01892 541 411. That's 01892 541 411. 
Every year, they team up with RNIB to produce Braille copies of the Order of Service. Torch Trust has a number of books on prayer for blind and partially sighted people to buy or borrow. One of the latest is Pete Gregg's How to Pray. And if you do want to read How to Pray by Pete Gregg in large print or Braille, it's available at thirteen ninety nine, or to borrow from the Torch Trust Library. Just contact us on 0333-123-1255. That's 0333-123-1255 or email info at torchtrust.org. Until next week, from me, Marilyn and everyone on the Reflections team, goodbye and God bless. Reflections from Torch Trust. Torch Trust.